three, two, one, play. Is people call him Cool Cool Khan, the feathered serpent god. You took a swig right as I did that. <laughs> so I'm really sorry. proud of you. That was really good. <laughs> I'm not Winston Duke. And nobody is except nobody for Winston Nobody is Duke. except for Winston Duke. I just wanted an excuse to say that again. Yeah, you say that to me frequently, and it's, it's best, funny every time. <laughs> best line. It's something how he says it. Uh, hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome to 321 Play Forever, your favorite movie <laughs> podcast with your favorite movie <laughs> podcast hosts, Hamilton and Shelby. Do, do okay. we get forever added to it? This is like... well, Yeah, because, yeah, it, you know, you can just do that now. When you have something that's really good, if you just do it again, but say forever at the end, it makes it even better. See, I thought it was plus. You know, oh, like yeah. Apple, Apple Plus, Disney Plus. Yep. Discovery uh, Plus. We could go Orwellian and make it uh, double plus good. Double plus. Ooh, that's a deep, deep cut for the literature nerds. We're a movie podcast, babe. We're not that. (laughs) We're not that highfalutin. It's for the people who have read 1984, not Mm -hmm. the people who say that social media is 1984. Because that's the wrong book. Anyway. Hi, welcome welcome to the podcast, as you can probably have guessed by my really terrible uh, impression of Winston Duke, aka Mbaku, leader of the Jabari tribe, have come down from the mount. I'm sorry, I love him. I <laughs> <laughs> have you all seen Winston Duke? Like, how could you? That man is a that's a man. That's a man. That's a, that's a man. <laughs> that's a man. Um, we're talking about Wakanda forever <laughs> today on the we podcast. Are. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about superheroes and whether or not we are at superhero burnout. Some people think we have surpassed superhero burnout and that we need to take a break from the movies. And we're also going to talk a little bit about phase four because technically um, Wakanda Forever is the final installment of Marvel phase four, which literally started in the beginning of 2021 and the fact that phase four is already over but phase one took six six or seven years to get to the first avengers movie i mean it feels like whiplash it's a it's a lot but we're gonna get into it yeah so what have we been watching before we get into wakanda forever what else have we been watching you know we've seen a couple of things um in theaters we saw glass onion we did freaking loved it oh my gosh yeah Yeah, glass on you was super fun it was so good um we saw the menu oh we we did see the menu we did see the menu so good and then we were happy to see that it got a a golden globe nom yeah and um anya Anya did anya anya got got it and then uh what else we see we saw violent night with one david harbour and guys if if you're the type of person who takes pride in saying that Die Hard is your favorite Christmas movie, I beg you to Go watch Violent, Violent Night. Night because this is a legitimate Christmas movie where like I was tearing up because there was like a surprising amount of heart to it, but yeah. also somebody like Santa sticks a grenade down this guy's pants and like turns mm-hmm. around to watch him explode. 
It's fantastic. Um, no notes. No notes. It was so funny. Um, what else have I seen? I, I haven't saw seen s- a lot more in theaters. We started Wednesday. We did. We started Wednesday. And which, we, it's, yeah, we haven't finished it, but not no. because we don't like it, just because it's busy. Yeah, know. we've just been very busy. I have enjoyed it a whole lot. Um, oh, we did Only Murders. We finished Only Murders in the building. We season finished two. Only Murders in the building. I think season two I liked more than season one. Oh, I did too. Um, Let's see. What else? Um, You were going to see Avatar, but you haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen it yet. Um, Andor. Andor I I very much enjoyed on Disney Plus. And then we've got a couple other Disney Plus things um, to talk about in relation to Marvel. We've got Werewolf by Night that we loved Loved. so, so, so much. And then um, the Guardians Holiday Special, which was a lot of fun. And as somebody who thinks that Mantis has not been fully utilized i was happy to see her like actually be the badass that she is in the comics so yeah i like what um the christmas special and werewolf at night just kind of like i like what they mean kind of for the form of superhero movies and stuff. yeah uh, just like you little know, self-contained short yeah little yeah. bottle episodes yeah uh that are just cute and fun and mm-hmm. uh werewolf by night was like it was spooky but it wasn't like scary spooky you know yeah i mean it it was yeah it was like the the you know the homage to universal monster movies and i loved it so very fun uh, but yeah we are gonna talk about the tail end of phase four um wakanda forever so hamilton what were some of the expectations that you had of this movie going into it because i think it was kind of impossible not to have expectations about this movie if you'd already seen the first one my expectations were i think what most people's expectations were just because like i don't i don't know where the source material went or what they even had to draw from or whatever and you know a little more about that and i know that like i know it went in some directions already that kind of veered from the source material so the only expectations i had were like they're going to have to deal with the gaping hole at the middle of this universe somehow. And it's going Mm -hmm. to hurt. And so I just, I, I, you know, I was interested to see how they were going to address Chadwick being gone. Yeah. And I, I think they handled it in a really beautiful way. Um, Someone on YouTube actually pointed out that this is now the third character where it is implied that cancer it like it's it, it's implied that it was it was cancer it was something that was very advanced that mm-hmm. he was able and like that was how Chadwick died but they I know that Ryan kept it intentionally vague because he didn't want to seem like he was capitalizing off of Chad's death right. but like we've seen um Star-Lord's mom in Guardians volume 2 because she had very advanced cancer from, yeah, that was how ego killed her. And then we just saw it with Jane, uh, Jane Foster, which like that, that's in the comics too. Like that's her whole arc and it's, it's beautiful and heartbreaking. And Mm -hmm. I think that was like the one thing about Thor love and thunder that Taika really nailed, um, was her, her whole story arc. It wasn't, wasn't much about that movie, but he nailed otherwise, but like, 
Jane's development was great. <laughs> Nervous laughter. Um, uh, yeah, that's what I was interested to see is like, yeah. how are we going to like straddle this weird line between audience sitting in a theater and like universe where a character exists? Yeah. You know, and I think that they did it. I think they did it really well. Um, cool. Yeah. Go ahead. You were going to so, say something. Well, and I know that like Letitia was not especially after some of the stuff that she said during the pandemic um, and her kind of not anti-vax, but like questioning the vaccine and like that there was a whole lot of pushback and people were like anyone but her. But Mm -hmm. honestly, like if you look at her interviews with Chad and like their, like her and Chadwick's chemistry together and she said in an interview, the story of like who called her to tell her because she saw it uh, like people started texting her, like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And she was like, what? And she saw like a, um, like a group chat or something and she didn't believe it. And so she kept calling Chadwick's phone because she was like, I know he's going to pick up. And, um, it was Daniel Kaluuya had to call her. And say, like, Tish, you have to you have to stop. Like his wife is trying to like the family's trying to process stuff, like that it happened. And I think just from the storytelling and then like the fact that she is who takes over for him in the comics, it just made the most sense. And so I think Ryan made the right call. I know whoever he was gonna put in the suit, it was never gonna please everybody. Yeah. And there was no, there was no way that he was ever going to please anyone, but he was put in this like really difficult position as somebody who is a really good friend to Chadwick. Like, how do you honor your friend? And then also how do you honor the story that you loved so much? That's why you took the role, like you took the director gig in the first spot. So yeah, that was kind of, that was my, my biggest worry was, I was like, I don't want him to like do fan service here. But I, I want it to feel like natural and true to everyone, like where everyone is and the character development, the storyline. And do you feel he did that? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I think what was maybe like more impressive is that like through this whole, this, you know, this portrait that he painted of like how different how grief affects people differently and pointedly. And um, I know there have been a lot of like really um, stellar essays from um, like black cultural experts and and, um, black movie reviewers that have said very pointedly how he pulled like things from black culture and grief and like obviously African culture and the celebration of life and the color white and like that whole thing. And, um, but I, I think he was also able in the middle of all of that to build Talakon and to build Namor's story and introduce a completely different, huge character in the Marvel, like introduce him and like balance it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought yeah. it was absolutely brilliant. <clears throat> And I like that the that Namor and all of his whole tribe are like the perfect isolated 
um, example of what Wakanda was trying to be in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And so Wakanda's having to like now turn around and be like, oh, there is this like super race underneath the sea who's been here forever. In fact, this one particular dude has been around forever watching all of this other stuff happening and like being intentionally isolationist about it. And so like having to see, okay, now Wakanda has a major regime change and they're processing intense like national grief and personal grief. But now also they're having to come face to face with this ideology that like ripped them apart in the first place in the, mm-hmm. in the last movie. And so I, I was like, this is a really, it's a really fun approach to kind of have Shuri have to step into this role of Black Panther yeah. and like now make all these decisions that she, she didn't want to make decisions in the first movie. She wanted to like have a game plan and like execute and, a plan she to just, like aid. Yeah, to she aid just wanted the to, things that are going on. She just wanted to build cool stuff. Yeah, like she just um, wanted to take, like she just wanted to harness the power of vibranium and just like build really cool stuff because she's one of the smartest characters we've seen on screen. Period. Yeah. And and she didn't have to worry about tactics because mm-hmm. that her mom and Black Panther and that like that's what they were worrying about. Yeah takes of it all but now she's having to like be inside of this world and like come to grips with the stuff that like her technology helped them build and become and now she's having to struggle with like oh maybe this doesn't work the way we thought it would (laughs) well and also like i kind of loved that they like that the the people of talokan had vibranium like i think that whole bit with them and like a lot of vibranium yeah that whole bit with um like Okoye, Denai just nailed it. This movie, I thought Okoye was even stronger and even more developed, and I love her so much. Like that whole bit in the throne room where she gets stripped of her title as general, and she has to just like figure out who she is without serving the throne. And she's yeah. just like, it's just like that single tear. <laughs> she's trying to be yeah. so stoic. She she crushed it. But when um she like has to come to terms with the fact that like they weren't the only place that had vibranium Mm -hmm. thought that was such a good scene. Um, because it's, I mean, how many, I wish America would kind of get that message, but, um, we don't have all of the answers or all of the resources or no, you know, and the movie tried to, it tried to talk about that, like to apply it kind of, um, explicitly to like modern day America, but with the whole subplot of the U S government and Mm -hmm. Martin Freeman's character. And like, and and we, I remember we were like, right when we first saw it, we were talking about like, yeah, everything was great except for everything with all of the white people. Yeah. So it was all just completely unnecessary. I feel like it was unnecessary for us, I think, but I don't think just reading the, the stuff that came out, um, like the Twitter discussion that happened on the threads, like around the trailer, I think people completely missed the fact that it wasn't like, it wasn't necessarily telecon versus Wakanda. Like it wasn't like pitting two minorities against each other. Like they're telecon and Namor are not the villains. They're, no. they're doing the exact same thing as Wakanda the villains right. are like the French government and the yeah. US and sure. that are that are literally trying to exploit this. And like I was like, how do you guys not see 
that the colonizers are still the ones who are causing all of these problems. Yeah. I don't understand how you're missing this, but I feel like they needed to put the U.S. like intervention and intrusion and like that looming threat of them invading in the story because um, because white people are not smart when it comes to how we have affected um, everywhere that we have colonized. We're not. Um, that's true. <laughs> We're just not. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess that's a, like, I guess it's a good point. I guess there's a, a, a place for being on the nose. Um, I just like, but it was coming from a place of like, I already agree with what you're trying to tell me. Right. So may- maybe that's why it felt heavy handed to me. Yeah. And I feel like and they're like, and like a little preachy. I feel like Ryan though just wanted to cover his bases because he knew that with sure. most Marvel movies, he's going to get some white people that just like, don't get it. Like my or first, mad that there are zero white people or mad that there are black women who are in charge, which is how I had to sure. listen to the two guys who sat like next to me when I first saw this movie. I'm like ugly crying and just like very emotionally involved in this by the final scene. And these two guys just were like, just like snickering. And I, they weren't like teenagers or anything. It wasn't like they thought it was a joke. It, they were like my age. And I was like, you're grown men who are saying really crappy comments about every black woman in this movie. But as soon as Nakia is in her little like tight swimming diving outfit, suddenly black women are like, worth your time and attention. Are you serious right now? <laughs> like, so I feel like there were a lot of things that Ryan needed to spell out because he knows that like, unfortunately there are always those really terrible comic book bros that gatekeep and, and try and make things difficult for anyone who isn't white and a man. So you mentioned that this movie wraps up phase four it does the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What yeah. uh, what what does that mean? Um, so at the very beginning of all of the Marvel movies, Iron Man kicked off Phase One, and then it went Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America, Thor, and then there were Iron Man Two. Did it stop after Iron Man 2? Or was Winter Soldier in phase one? I don't know. Don't don't quiz me on where the phases stop. They all stop with a different Avengers movie. So then phase one ended with Avengers. Phase two ended with Ultron. Phase three ended with um, Infinity War and Endgame. Well, no, technically phase three ended with, what was the Spider-Man movie? Far from home? No, yeah, far from home. No way home. Far from home? It was the one where Iron Man died. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no way, way home. No, no way home is the one that with it was Doctor the Strange. One. Okay, so yeah, far from home. So far from home. Far from home, where he's having to deal without, like, without having Tony. So that was the end of phase three. That was the end of phase three, technically. Okay. So okay. phase four started. Um, with, I want to say Black Widow, which was a little weird because obviously that's like walking it back a little bit. Um, and then this is the first iteration where TV is brought into, um, TV is brought into 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And so then you had to like obviously get a Disney Plus subscription because you're going to keep up with all this stuff. Um, And we haven't really seen too many of the implications in the films that we've seen so far. I think the only exception would be um, Multiverse of Madness. You needed to kind of see WandaVision to understand where Wanda was at when she and Strange were fighting. Um, But this is the... (laughs) I'm just going to read off everything that's in Phase 4. So that we can get like a full scale of every single bit and bob that's in this thing. Bring us back to the 10,000 foot view. All right. Hang with me. So in films, we have Black Widow. Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home. You're right. It was far from home. It was in Phase 3. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, and Wakanda Forever. And then on the TV side, we have WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and then you got the two TV specials of Werewolf by Night and Guardians. And that also doesn't include the Groot short film collection, um, which some people (laughs) debate as to whether or not it's going to be relevant. I think it just kind of shows little, little Groot. So I wouldn't count it, but that's (laughs) that's everything that we have so far. And that's like the biggest. That was in the span of like two years. That's in the span of two years. Yeah. Black Widow came out. um, That's 2021 and WandaVision came out in like early 2021. I mean, I remember that like WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier like overlapped. There was like a, there was like a couple weeks where it overlapped. This is insane. Yeah. It was a lot. And then it felt like, it felt like every week there was a mm -hmm. new, like, Oh, we got to wake up early to see this before. Yeah. Well, and if it wasn't that it was something that was, you know, also with star Wars. So we had bad batch, Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, a lot of Disney properties. A lot of Disney. I was waking up at 5 a.m. to like, I'm trying to think when Kenobi was on, I think it was Miss Marvel that was also on at the same time. Yeah. And so I was like, there were a couple weeks of watching them both before work. So I was just like, I can't get on Twitter and have all this spoiled for me. I know I've, <laughs> I have marked all these keywords off, but like, I know I have friends who are going to talk about it in like thinly veiled context. I'm like, dang it. I don't want any of this spoiled. So. Okay, so what, um, for the uninitiated, what is the point of these phases? Like, when you're talking so, about a phase, what does that encompass? The phases um, up to, if we go one, two, and three, they have both, like, a narrative theme, and then they have a, like, narrative big bad that you're working toward. And so... Phase one was the introduction of all of the baseline Avengers. Um, you, you know, you had your introduction of Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Black Widow, Cap, um, and Hawkeye. And you had Nick Fury as kind of the unifying force. Phase two was, you know, your expansion. Um, and then it bringing in basically more help because at the end of phase one, at the tail end, of phase one, we got to see our first look at Thanos. In the credit um, scene, right? In the in the credit scene. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, we'd already handled Loki. We were like, okay, Loki's done, dusted. Who's gonna be next? Blah blah blah. You know? And um and seeing Thanos, I remember I was so excited 
So I was like, oh my gosh, like Captain America could die. <laughs> Anything is possible. They need more people. Um, so it's kind of like phase two, they spent building out the rest of the team. And so that's your, you know, your guardians, um, your, oh my gosh, what else is in phase two? Your Iron Man three, um, you know, kind of developing Rhodey, developing Bucky, um, you, your first Ant-Man movie. Is that where the conflict between like Cap and Iron Man was? Yeah. You get that, that stress in, um, toward phase two that you're, you're starting to kind of like chip away at the team. It's not civil war yet, but like there's, there's a little bit of tension, um, that that's building because phase two ends with Ultron and that the end of phase two is kind of like Tony, like mind you, the, the like cloud of Thanos is, is still narratively woven in bits and pieces throughout. Um, and like the Tesseracts are all, or not the Tesseracts, the infinity stones we, we see throughout all of them. And so you kind of like point and you're like, Oh, there's, there's the Tesseract or there's the, um, you know, the space stone, uh, or there's the power stone, which is what we see in guardians. Um, but phase two ends with Avengers age of Ultron. And that's kind of really where Tony as a character and cap start to really kind of shift apart, um, in terms of ideology, because after Ultron, Tony has to reconcile with the fact that he (laughs) made a poor decision. Um, and that like his kind of past in weaponry is kind of coming to haunt him. And so he's more willing to, um, kind of when the, when the government like says, Hey, we need you to give up some of your power. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll sign, you know, whatever. And that is also where cap is like, no, like we are the ones who were able to stop Ultron. No one else would be able to stop Ultron. Therefore we should have this power. Like we don't need to answer to you guys because we're the ones who stopped the problem that like humans can exploit. Um, but yeah, phase three, we see the division. We literally see the division all through, um, the like main superheroes phase threes. Um, you kind of see Thor, uh, cause that's the last one, uh, right before infinity war. And, when we finally see Thor in infinity war, he is just sunk. (laughs) He has, he has no one. Um, and then, you know, the Avengers are, it's looking hopeless. And then Thanos comes in and, and gets ready to break everything up. And so obviously we know that Tony sacrifices himself. Thanos gets snapped. Everybody like goes back to, Living happily ever after, Cap gets a full character arc where he finally learns how to like do something for himself. Um, I hate when people say that Cap's decision was selfish because I'm like, no, if you look at it from an Enneagram perspective, like (laughs) (laughs) Captain America is an Enneagram type one and Iron Man is an Enneagram type seven who constantly looks to just having a fun time. Like, and so seven in a, in a zone of like health goes to one, like seven and ones are like linked together basically. 
And so ones, when they learn how to be healthier, become like sevens because they finally learn how to have fun outside of their, like they learn to stop hating themselves and finally have fun. (laughs) So you're just like, this is narratively narratively where they're supposed to be. (laughs) Come on. Um, But then we get to phase four. Yeah. Tell me about that. So it it feels like phases one through three, they feel like really unified in my head Mm -hmm. because I can, I can follow these threads of these people. And even when the movie is like kind of tangential, you know, like the second guardians movie isn't like, it isn't like a captain America movie in that it's like, you're going to trace, you know, all of these threads all the way through all this whole story. Mm -hmm. But like everything felt like it was, thematically related to each other um whether that was with like a bad guy or a philosophy that they were trying to you know like should we go along with the sokovia accords you know yeah all these little things kind of like help tie these people that we've been watching and liking together and help like ground them in some sort of reality what do we have in phase four (laughs) And if you could, if you could see the face that Shelby just made, <laughs> it's not a pretty face. <laughs> I think it's so a pretty I, face. Thanks. I have. You're welcome. <laughs> I have tried to figure out what the theme is for so long, and I just can't. I feel like there there's so many outliers, but if I had to like figure out a theme, just an overarching theme. It would be expansion. And I know that sounds like a weird theme because you're like, that's stupid. Um, but the, that's that's the only thing that I can think of would be expansion and then how the people that we've already met respond to expansion. And if you look in the films, I guess Blackwood is the only exception to this, but if you look at the films that we have seen so far, um, every single main character, and this includes the TV shows, are being exposed to an element about them that we had not previously known or a world that had not previously seen. And you're like, yeah, that's just good like character development. Duh. But like in a way that we had not seen in phases one, two, and three, because everything in one, two, and three that we had seen had been like reactions and responses to basically in response to previous decisions that were made. Like Ultron came about because of decisions that Tony had made previously. The, the ether um, and then like all of Thor dark world happened because of, um the the interaction between the elves and um the asgardians and and thor having to deal with with that um granted the ether and the that stone it was just like a whole <laughs> it wasn't great but it, you know like everything was just kind of in reaction and response um if you look at I mean, winter soldier is literally like bringing Bucky back and Cap's response to something that we've already seen. This is all new. Um, if you look at Multiverse Madness, obviously, whole different universes. Thor, Love and Thunder. Jane is being exposed to entirely different universes. We get to see 
like literal new universes that we haven't seen, new planets we haven't seen. Um, Eternals in Shang-Chi were introduced to these like entities and powers. Um, I mean, Shang-Chi is literally about him like going to uh, Talo and seeing this like mystical magic place where his mom grew up and he had literally no idea um, because he hadn't been there before. Um, you know, Moon Knight is all about like self-discovery and Mark discovering, a, <laughs> uh, discovering, I guess, a different uh, plane of existence. <laughs> um, yeah. And there are only like a handful of things in this that feel like they're wrapping up previous stories. I mean, even WandaVision, like she's unlocking a new side of herself. Like I think of like the, the, that big battle of her and Agatha and she's just like, I'm not a witch. I don't have powers. And like Agatha's over here like, no, you're the Scarlet Witch. This is great. (laughs) But like, I can Mm -hmm. just hear that. Like, you know, I'm not a witch. No one taught me magic. Um, but then we do have a, like a couple things in here that are kind of closure and moving on. Um, like what? Falcon Winter Soldier. Okay, yep. We get that closure and I guess the the quote unquote new universe. Um, I keep forgetting is, that was like I know. less than two years ago. Yeah, I guess the quote unquote new universe is like a black Captain America, which for some people is a new universe. Heaven forbid that you all not, not read the comics. It's fine. Um <laughs> And then with Black Widow, we got closure, but we also got new characters who we're going to see in Thunderbolts in phase five. Um, they're bringing back Red Guardian. David Harbour is going to come back and then they're bringing in Florence again for um, for being Yelena. And so we're going to see both of them in Thunderbolts along with US Agent um, and I think Zemo and... I don't remember the Thunderbolts poster. It's I feel like it's going to be like a Suicide Squad thing where like three of them are going to die. Um, <laughs> let me see what else is like the... I've got the list pulled up. What else is like closure based? I think that's it in terms of things that are wrapping up storylines. Spider-Man No Way Home. We literally see the multiverse and the impacts of the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So... Do you think it's legitimate that people are talking about the superhero movie burnout? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like I'm, I'm feeling exhausted and I'm somebody who is like entrenched in comic book movies, like not just Marvel, but like comic book movies in general. Yeah, um, and I think this is a discussion that like DC fans are having, especially since James Gunn took over as like the creative director at DC um, and Which was just, a great decision. It was a great decision, but I'm starting to sweat it because he fired my boy Henry Cavill, and I'm yeah, that pressed. was a questionable decision. <laughs> I'm pressed. Like Henry is such a good Superman, and I know that yeah. people were like, he left The Witcher to be Superman. He didn't leave The Witcher to be Superman. He was tired no. of The Witcher because none of the writers would listen to him as a fan. He kept, like, yeah, he had he a was, lot yeah, of he was tired. He was tired of The Witcher on like a philosophical level because he's like, no, 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 no. I love these books and games because lest you forget, I'm a huge nerd. Well, okay. Unrelated, but also kind of related tangentially. Um, Do you see that he signed up to do a Warhammer movie and he's executive producing it? Oh, that's amazing. That's going to be so good. Boy, talk about somebody who- We we need to get Raul in there too. He's already asked. (laughs) 
Oh, okay, good. It's literally her, yeah. <laughs> That'll so be I'm just like I was like I'm gonna lose my mind if they're because we're the same already movie. we're already getting a Chris Pine as a bard in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, and did you see um, who the cast who the casting announcement was for Five Nights at Freddy's? Maybe <laughs> it's Matthew Lillard and Josh Hutcherson. Oh yeah, Matthew Lillard. Yes, I saw Matthew. <laughs> it's just like it's like all these people are like finally finding their their passion projects. I really hope Joe Manganiello's in the Dungeons and Dragons movie because he is like the one celebrity that I He's know the- of who is the biggest D and D nerd. Yeah, he he has like a weekly game and has for mm-hmm. a decade. Oh, if you hear squeaking, that's Baloo. He's he he's joining in. He's joining in on our conversation, and he has a lot of thoughts and opinions. So I'm I'm, I'm phase four of the Marvel Cinematic I'm phase Universe. Phase four of MCU. Um, but yeah, he no, likes, yeah, yeah. He likes uh, Lucky the Pizza Dog. He loves Lucky the Pizza Dog, and he likes Cosmo from How, um, how Can You Not from Guardians. Um, yeah, he's the best. Cosmo's such a good good dog. Um, but yeah, I think. Like both DC and Marvel are really hitting this ex- this exhaustion point, and shows like Invincible and The Boys tap into that yeah. on a a very direct level. Um, people's yeah, responses to superheroes, and and if you're fed up with the superhero movies, just watch The Boys, which yeah, that's is what I was gonna say. It it's just like you know yeah because it's gonna dc and marvel one peg at a time and it does so without discretion no yeah, they don't care no it comes in with a howitzer yeah <laughs> bless <laughs> it's beautiful bless you I seth know. rogan <laughs> that's right um, <laughs> it's just so funny um but yeah I, I think everybody's getting to a point where like now it's it's affecting, unfortunately, it's affecting um, critical discourse around these movies and like critical thinking and reviewing about these films. Um, because like there were a lot of what I would consider kind of mid-tier flops. But when you when you look at phase one, and phase three and even some of the films in phase two and how strong they all were. Like if you look yeah. at the original black Panther, it was radically um, reshaping landscape of, of cinema. Oh, and I, yeah. 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 I, I mean, and I, I say cinema like, yeah, it's a big budget film, but it is elegantly crafted. It is elegantly cared for intended to, and, just because it had a huge budget, it didn't mean that that budget was misapplied. Like I think literally critically, the only thing that I ever have issue with is that like the physics of the final fight sequence between him and Killmonger on the train, on the train tracks. Yeah. And that's just a, that's due to lack of time. And that's that's literally due to lack of time. They did not have time to finish that out. And, um, and that's, that is my only criticism of that movie because I think it is one of those films that's just, it's perfect. The first Avengers yeah, movie, I think that is another one that like Joss Whedon is a piece of crap, but he knows how to write an ensemble piece. With, and he, yeah, like he a did witty it. Ensemble. He yeah. did it. He kept everyone's personalities in check. I think that was just very strong. Um, yep. And, and so 
did Joss give us the the scene of Hulk smashing Loki around and then saying puny god? Yeah. Okay, because that's one of my favorite scenes in any movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's, so, it's it's so fun. The bloopers on that of Tom trying to like make the <laughs> noise because he kept making himself laugh because it was just him making that noise and they wouldn't tell him to cut and so he just kept like doing it and he would start giggling and he'd be like Tom be serious and he'd be like okay <laughs> it's it's great um so you were you were talking about how these how this phase of movies especially has bled into critical yeah discourse. and I think I think the the problem is that you have such a high volume it feels like there's a, one of these movies out every single week people are frustrated and concerned that these smaller indie films and by like smaller indie films, they mean like movies that would that have a decent budget and have like a pretty decent director. Um, I think like the, even what an indie film is has also been misconstrued because of the size mm-hmm. of the budgets of Marvel movies yeah. and DC movies. And well, and also just so you know, like an indie film can have a budget up to like $30 million. Right. That's still a small budget. Yeah. You know, and, um, and so I think because of that, people are, people somehow believe that like Marvel movies are ruining people's chances of getting their movies made in theaters. Um, but I look at the directors for this phase and I say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, especially for some of the TV shows. Um, cause you had Academy Award winner, Chloe Zhao and direct Eternals, um, which I don't think was the right choice in hindsight, but you still have, you know, you have somebody who literally went from a, a small budget with Nomadland to a huge budget. You didn't really know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you had was it Daniel Kwan. Did he direct Shang-Chi? Hold on. No, Dustin Daniel Cretton. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not Daniel Kwan's one of the Daniels. Oh, I've got, I've got everything Daniel. everywhere stuck in my stuck in my head. For good um, reason. For good reason. But um, I mean, you have all these people that are just like critically acclaimed directors that are having to do these big big budget films. And You're you also have getting... the best craftspeople on the planet mm-hmm. at making movies in, in these studios that are like forty five minutes away from where I'm sitting right now. Mm-hmm. They're like some of the finest technicians and grips and camera operators and set builders and like all of the people working on these things are like the top artists in their field. But I also know that there's Everyone a huge, there was a huge issue with um, the speed at which yeah. these have been churned out um, to where the VFX contracts have not been healthy. Um, and so basically what Marvel's doing and I know uh, other studios I'm sure have applied pressure, but none of them have been as severe, I think as Marvel has on their, their contractors. Mm-hmm. Um, cause everyone wants the Marvel contract. If you're a small VX VFX studio and you're working alongside ILM, you know, and your contract with ILM, ILM says, this is what Marvel wants and you're ca- tasked with doing a single thing for a like a special effect for a character and you have to do that through the whole movie it's a team of like 20 you know 10 to 20 vfx guys and you're getting last minute changes 
a couple weeks before everything is supposed to be wrapped up. Like that's, it's putting pressure on VFX artists that they can't say no to because it's Marvel. And also you don't want to blow the contract with your, you know, referring partner. Um, and so that, that has, I think also really soured, um, how people receive these movies from like a critical lens. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I'm really glad she Hulk pointed out, even if it was to kind of make it tongue in cheek, because I love how she was just like, Oh, am I going to turn back into Jen? And, um, the Kevin Feige character is like, no, actually we're going to do a, a, like a whip pan back because, um, the VFX team is already working on something else. And you hear the like Wakanda forever music, like cut in, or like the black Panther music cut in. And you're just like, Oh, okay. And it literally like fades to black and it like wakes up and it's, it's Jen again. <laughs> so you're like, Amazing. Oh, this is great. I think that's um, funny. Yeah. And, but like they're self-aware and I think that's well, their writers are self-aware. I think that's the one thing that like, Ever since Bob Chapek left the company, Kevin Feige has kind of more openly said, I think there were some things that have been put out in this phase. We've done too much too soon. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it's all like aware. It's just no one wants to own up to making that call. Right. Because like Marvel answers to Disney. Yes. Chapek's big push was to get a ton of stuff out on Disney Plus um, because he... To keep people coming back to the platform. To keep people coming back to the platform and increase new subscriptions. Yeah. Um, even though he kept sinking money into it, which was at the expense of the parks because the parks are cash cows. They've had like their highest earnings in a long time, especially Walt Disney World. And... All of a sudden, he's like, I think we're going to have to cut back on the parks because we need to make more stuff for Disney Plus. And you're like, dude, you're not making like you're once it's on Disney Plus, like that's the thing with streaming. Once you're once it's on Disney Plus or on these streaming platforms, it's not making any money. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's just not. Yeah. And so you're you're I mean, I don't want to think about how much money they spent on Moon Knight. They filmed it on location. So it's some scenes. They they afforded Oscar Isaac. They afford they afforded Ethan Hawke. Right. They afforded F. Murray. <laughs> right. They 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 got F. Murray Abrams to yeah, like. It's, this was not a cheap. small budget. It's not small budget. It's not cheap. And his and also his entire costume was CG. Well, no, they had practical suits. Oh, did they? Yeah, they had. There's there's footage of Oscar in the suits. I mean, are the practical suits like what we're seeing on the final image? Yeah. <laughs> or were they like, or were they reference? No, they they were used um, on set. No, I know that, but like, are, are those suits that he was wearing what we see in the final image, or were they reference for the CG artists? Because most of the time, his suit did not look real. They were really, de- I mean, the suits really detailed for them to be oh, reference. Okay. Like, I would be shocked. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure they did the like, because obviously like the wrapping and the touch ups and stuff, but like, yeah, they, he was also one of those suits where they sewed in the muscle padding, which Mm. is why it doesn't look real because we're used to like the juiced up, like you can see their arms. Yeah. Suits. 
and the I, Captain America suits. Yeah, and like I love Oscar, and I, I like love Oscar. I think his look is. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Dune. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, you've also seen Dune. But if you know the scene of him at the table, you know that like. His body, I'm not, I will never comment on his body. It's great. But like, it's not one of those things where he's going to fill out the suit in the same way we've seen other superheroes. So I think that was one that like kind of looks fake because he had some, some things added. Um, He's not built like a Hemsworth. Don't make him look like a Hemsworth. Well, no, he's not juiced. (laughs) Right. You know, and I feel like. Or Australian. Or Australian. He's not, he's not Evans. He's just like just got jacked you know mm-hmm. or even kumail who in a year discovered enhancements mm-hmm. and also went on an insane diet um yeah i i think we're all just kind of tired of marvel for a little bit which makes me really sad because phases five and six are um bringing in my favorite people <laughs> from the comics mm. so. well i mean we've got some space don't we when does it, when is it supposed to start well phase five starts in phase five starts next year i'm gonna try and see what i think they're they're making some changes to what phase five is going to be and i'm curious to see whether or not um blade even happens mm-hmm. yeah it's up in the air right now it is it's up in the air um I think they're if they wait any longer, Mahershala is going to walk, and I wouldn't yeah. blame him because um, he's just kind of tired <laughs> of waiting around. Um, but Phase Five is going to start with Ant Man and Wasp: Quantumania, which is going to um, see Ant Man pull a Star Lord and let Kang into the larger universe, um, which is going to suck, <laughs> but. <laughs> But Paul Rudd is more likable than Chris Pratt. So I don't think it's going to be that hard for me to forgive him for like letting Jonathan Majors go kill people. You know, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, And that's kind of one of those things that like Kang being introduced in Loki. Like I I am curious to see which elements of the TV shows they're going to pull in. Obviously Kamala Khan um, is going to be a huge part of the Marvel's which I think is also phase five because that is filming right now. Um, And then Captain America, new world order is also coming through this one. So that's going to be the first one with Anthony Mackie in it. And then Thunderbolts will also be um, phase five, I think. And then from a TV perspective, we're going to have Ironheart, which is Riri Williams character from Wakanda forever. And I'm very excited. I love her. Um, We're going to get the Echo TV show, which is going to reintroduce some of the Daredevil characters. We're going to see more of um, Fisk and um, more of like Alacqua Cox um, and like her, you know, her performance in Hawkeye was one of my favorite parts of Hawkeye. Yeah. Yeah. and then we're going to get a second season of what if it's, I mean, it's just so, there's so many TV shows 
coming that I'm, I'm worried. (laughs) Um, but I think this time around the phase five TV shows are going to be a little less, um, expensive. They're going to be slightly cheaper maybe because we're going to get season two of Loki. What if is basically already done season two. So it's more of like Jeffrey Wright and seeing what the watcher is up to. Um, and then, oh my gosh, there's something else. Daredevil. Um, we're going to see Charlie Cox. Thank goodness, because I love seeing him in She-Hulk. Uh, yeah, it was so fun. It was and so good. The, he was in Spider-Man also. And he was in Spider-Man. He's just a really good lawyer. Um, I'm, a, I'm a really good lawyer. I'm a really good lawyer. Um, and then there's something else that we're missing. Oh my gosh, Agatha. We're getting Coven of Chaos. I forgot about yes. that. That is That'll Phase 5. I'm very excited. I don't know if that's actually going to tie in anything else because like Agatha's one of those really characters. Care. Like, I don't, I don't care really care. Does. It I was love, Agatha all along, and I, I'm rooting for her. I love Catherine Hahn. But here's what's crazy is like her character's not all that like huge in the comics. It's not like um Surely this was a fan. It was like, once they it, saw it, the reception that she got, they were like, I bet we could make a million dollars on No, that. it really is because it's it's not like um there are some characters where I'm just like, how did this take off? Um but and then there are other characters where I'm just like, how did they not get brought in sooner? Like Namor. I'm just like, yeah. apparently um, in interviews with Ryan, Namor was always going to be the sequel anti-hero, which absolutely makes sense because in the comics, it's T'Challa versus Namor. They are ideologically opposed about a lot of things um, and and how they respond to things. So you're just like, oh, this this absolutely makes sense. But I was like, man, it's a shame he wasn't brought in sooner. Um, and then like, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Why am I blanking? Doctor Strange, Clea, jeez, Clea. Hamilton was with me when we first saw Multiverse of Madness, and he mm-hmm. witnessed the fact that I was the only one who scrumped a scream. Um, in the in a <laughs> theater in Elizabethtown, um, because I love Clea. She is like in game with Doctor Strange, and I was just like, I was really hoping that she was going to be in the first one. I'm glad that she's in the sequel. Um, but I, I mean, we're going to see all these characters from the comics. I think that should have been in the comics or should have been in the movie sooner. Um, but yeah, and then you get. You get people like Agatha where I'm just like, what? What? The heck? You are, it's going to be interesting to see. You are old lady. I have no reference point for you. I know. It's going to be interesting to see with a new Disney CEO, uh, mm. just kind of what, what kind of push they're making for Disney+. Plus. Um, well, and- I'm sure I'm sure Chapek had a lot to do with kind of some of the messiness and yeah. the rushedness of a lot of this. Phase. Well, and the other thing, too, is that the current worry is who Iger wants for the his replacement because he has two years to figure out his replacement and then he's walking yeah. is basically what the contract is. Um, the other person he wants to get his, to be his replacement is also somebody who's very money-minded. And what I liked about both Eisner and, and Frank, who was Eisner's like right-hand man, and um, and Bob Iger is that 
they come into, uh, they come from like storytelling backgrounds. Um, They both came from TV. And so there are people who are very focused on, we're going to tell a narrative that is going to resonate with people and bring people into our property. And like, that's going to be the backbone of how we make money is through good storytelling. And that's why Iger acquired so many things. And that's why Eisner pushed a lot of IPs into parks um, around the world and like developed a lot of parks is that they wanted to expand storytelling. They went around it, went about it in different ways. Like when Iger acquired Marvel, he said, there are a handful of characters I want guaranteed. Um, He said, obviously continue um, with Iron Man because at at that point, Iron Man had already come out. Um, I think Thor was about to come out when that, when that went through. Um, He said, keep on those. He said, but I want to see three characters. He said he wanted to see Black Panther. He wanted to see Captain Marvel. um, And he wanted to see, there was someone else. It wasn't Shang-Chi. There was somebody else. And um, because he talks about it in his master class. He said, these are the, the narratives that I expect to see. And those were the ones that, you know, wound up making him a boatload of money. Um. So I just, I'm worried that like whoever his replacement is, because we already saw it with Chapek. Chapek didn't care about storytelling at all. He cared about money. And so I, I'm worried that like whoever this new person is going to be um, is also going to be somebody who's just only focused on the bottom line. And well, that- they are a CEO and CEOs are famously devoted to the bottom line. I know. But, but like, if you're, there's hope. If you're somebody who like works at Disney like if you if you're a CEO of Disney, yeah, you that, would you would hope you would hope that they'd be different. Yeah, because I mean, you know, a company that's based on storytelling. It was right. founded to tell stories, right? So you would you would hope one would hope. However, comma, this is the 21st century, mm-hmm. and capitalists will be capitalists, and they will exist in order to make money. Yeah. And if they happen to tell good stories along the way. They'll they'll do that if they can, but like that's not the you know the end goal, right? But hopefully, there's a day. Hopefully, it starts with phase five, that we kind of swing this back around. And even for those of us who are a little bit sick of watching superhero movies, um, maybe we'll find something we can enjoy. And mm-hmm. also, if you're tired of superhero movies, don't watch superhero movies. Yeah, just don't watch them. Like it's okay. It's not hard. Like, you can they, let people. They do not have a monopoly on the box office. No, you can let people watch what they want to watch, and there are also a lot of independent films and like independent theaters that you can go watch indie films at. Like, you can even see them at AMC's. You can, AMC's yeah. They have an entire different independent. Imagine <laughs> they also they also do um, all of the Oscar nominees, short films. Live action yep. short films, animated short films. They do all of the animated picture nominees. They do all the best picture nominees. They will do all of them right before award season. So if you miss one or if you're not able to see one, this includes the foreign films. You're able to see all of them by going to AMC. I'm sure Regal does the same thing. I'm sure Cinemark does the same thing. Mm-hmm. All of these are still box office. You can like, you are also like supporting those, um, supporting those directors by going to see them. Yep. So, and also um, the your favorite streaming platforms uh, are coming out with original programming all the time. Yeah. And so, almost I, none of it is superhero stuff. 
I think it's a it weird is, criticism. It, I think it is a meme on Twitter, but I, I have kind of seen this discussion like in earnest of people saying it's like that one time in Captain America when, or like they'll compare it to a Marvel movie. And I think some of it's lost in sarcasm because I know not all these people are like seriously comparing, um, you know, good fellas to something that happened in Falcon and winter soldier, you know, that is very funny, but (laughs) I know I don't think that, um, I think there's space for all of it. Like, Movies are movies are movies. There are space to like and enjoy all types of movies, ironically, unironically. Think critically about it. Turn your brain off and enjoy it. Um, That's all there. Like, it's all there. It's not making society, it's not making society any dumber. I think that's very kind of like classist and ridiculous to say that if somebody enjoys a Marvel movie, they are inherently stupid. Um, like you can just enjoy watching a movie. You don't have to be like a pretentious, but about it, you know? Yep. You're right. So, but, um, ending this on a bright note for the future of Marvel phase six at present only has four films attached to it <sighs> the like the relief that just came off of my shoulders well well oh no i think it's because and 74 television shows no i think it's because they don't know what to do with x-men yet was well, it's because they don't own x-men yet right no they do oh they do well it's like a weird middle ground but um, there, it's there's a there's a a line that they're walking to because there's a reason that the X Men movies are on Disney Plus, and it's because Disney bought Fox. Oh, but because those movies are so fresh, and obviously Logan being brought back into Deadpool, um, like that's that's kind of a big deal. Um, those movies are so fresh. They don't know what to do with the X-Men. Cause what people don't realize about, um, Marvel properties is that the Avengers are like C tier comic book characters. Like they're not the main characters. Like the most popular Avengers are probably Spider-Man and Hulk like in terms of comic book sales throughout his history in black Panther. And then, um, the, the reason they even went with the Avengers is because they didn't, Disney didn't own X-Men and Sony has Spider-Man and fantastic four was also, um, Oh my gosh. Who owned the fantastic four? Fox. Fox maybe. Was it Fox? Sounds right. 20th Century Fox? 20th Century Fox, or, I think. Or somebody yeah, did. Sure. Let's go. Somebody, somebody else did. And uh in terms of like comic book sales, X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man are your three biggest sellers. And you can't utilize the most iconic um characters in your arsenal 
And so they were like, well, crap, I guess we'll try Avengers, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so that's what, that's what they went with. And so now you have all these people that like assume that Avengers, like in terms of the comic book scope of things are like really cool. And you're just, you realize that they're kind of not um, when you literally have like Charles Xavier and storm and like rogue running around. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see one, how they bring in the first family and how fantastic four is utilized narratively. And then obviously explaining where the heck they've been. Um, and then how X-Men get brought into it and just kind of like, cause the X-Men's whole thing is that people are terrified of these genetic monsters basically. But in the grand scheme of the MCU, we already see superheroes all the time and people don't like freak out or treat them as monsters in a way that requires legislation like we saw the the Sokovia Accords, but like we're not seeing anything on this scale and mass implementation of like the threats that were the U.S. government was trying to put on the X Men, you know. So that's just me nerding out. Do you have any more thoughts? I always have more thoughts. I need to stop talking because this, this has been going on for an hour and six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stop talking. I'm just very excited for. I like I, I want to be excited for all the new Marvel movies and I'm just worried that like I was disappointed in Multiverse of Madness because I still think Scott Derrickson should have directed Multiverse of Madness. And it's yes. not that I don't love Sam Raimi because the movie was very Sam Raimi, but I mm-hmm. didn't like the decisions. Um, it should have been Scott Derrickson. I liked some elements of Thor Love and Thunder, but I wasn't a huge fan of it. Eternals is growing on me every time I watch it. Um, it's still, I mean, it's still just, it doesn't warrant a three hour runtime. Right. Um, all the TV shows have been bangers though. Every single one. They've been great, but I, like I, I see them as standalone things. Yeah. And I know people I- like really didn't like she Hulk, but they said, from the get-go, it's just, it's a law procedural. It's, like, in the vein of Ally McBeal. And I loved Ally McBeal growing up. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. I know exactly what to expect from this tonally. And it's also really fun and tongue-in-cheek and fourth it is. Oh, my gosh. It's, like, it's free bag like, and, I, yeah. And I'm, also, it's, like, it's begging you to not take it seriously. Yeah. and I'm, they, people, have, they have Megan the Stallion in the show it as Megan so the Stallion. It was so great. People got... Like, it's not supposed to be serious. I saw this, like... It really kind of like, I don't know. It's one of those YouTube channels where like they only exist to make fun of the stuff that women do and like people of color do. And and it's just, it's a white dude. Was it, who's Was it Andrew Tate? No, it's a white dude who's just angry that like other people exist and think things are cool. And so oh, he did yeah, like a, he did like a Marvel cringe compilation. And one of the things, apparently like they think that like, her twerking with Meg is like cringe. And I'm just like, no, when she says I would kill for you, Megan the Stallion, like I literally, I, I, that resonated with me. Um, like, yes. If you didn't like she Hulk, that's okay. It wasn't for you. It's for the girls, the gays and the days, like very clearly. And for the allies. So like, it's very, it's not, it's, 
it's one of those shows that like is very predominantly not for who comic books used to be written for in the 70s. Yeah. Which is when um, historically, which is when comic book um, demographics started shifting toward men because up until the mid 70s and late 70s, comic book acquisitions, purchases, and readership was pretty evenly split. 50-50 men and women. Fun fact. Hmm. Look at that. Learning new things all the time. Yeah. If you're ever interested in the history of comic books and your favorite comic books, I can highly recommend reading the book Super Gods by Grant Morrison, um, who is a comic book writer. If you're a comic book reader, you will probably know some of his stuff. He's kind of controversial um, in terms of like his decisions with what he does with comics, but he's a really good comic book historian and Super Gods is a really great read. It starts with Superman and the inception of Superman and goes into Batman's creation and then the saucy creation of Wonder Woman, and then you get into the Marvel stuff. How exciting. That's yeah. a good rec- recommendation. It is. I could talk about superheroes for another hour, but we're going to stop because we have to talk about Glass Onion, and I really want to get into that one too. So, All right. Well, then, if you have nothing else, then I certainly <laughs> have nothing else. Um, I, have I don't a, know what I could add. No, I have a question for you. How do you feel okay. about... Um, me just being like bleh about comic books. I don't think you're like bleh about comic books. I think you have very great opinions about them. Okay. I think it's fun. Wait, how am I supposed to feel about it? No, I just want to make sure you're not like, oh, here she goes again. <laughs> oh, no. It, it, it's great. I, I'm a big fan. Big okay. fan of Shelby's comic book fandom. Okay. I'm the number one subscriber. Oh, thank you. And if you're the number one subscriber along with me, then you should tune in next week or next time as we discuss Glass Onion. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an M'Baku quote to like close this out. This has been M'Baku and Hamilton. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> this is body tribe. Oh no, I know, I know. I know what to close this out with. um, If you do not shut up, I will feed you to my children. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We are vegetarians. (laughs) My favorite line. Okay. I'm done. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.